0: I'm going to introduce you to some folks that have done that and a whole lot more. All right, next on the Cascade Hiker podcast, what's your name and where are you from?
1: My name is Steve Goodrich, and uh, I go on the trail by the trail name Bird Shooter, and I am from Atlanta, Georgia.
0: Right on, man. Well, uh, I have to uh, humble myself in front of you here. You've been podcasting for quite a while, uh, the Into Backpacking podcast. Uh, what made you start that up?
1: You know, Rudy, that's a great question, and I'm going to have to ask you the same after I answer, but um, I was on a winter backpacking trip with a friend of mine that I've done a lot of hiking with, and uh, we were sitting around a campfire, and we are talking one night, and he had, um, he had started a podcast on home improvement. He, he's in the real estate industry and uh, had a lot of interesting, uh, adv- adv- interesting advice for someone buying a home or trying to sell a home, and this was in 2011 when podcasting was sort of just breaking out. Uh, and he said, "You know, uh, you, Bertrand, you ought to think about doing a, a podcast, uh, sort of like you know when we're sitting around the campfire talking about hiking." And that's sort of that's kind of how it all started. I thought that was a great idea.
0: That's a really so, good, uh, really good description of what your podcast is. A lot of the times, too.
1: Yeah, and you know, to be frank with you, I, I um, in the early years I wasn't very consistent about putting shows out, um, but I've gotten better over time, and obviously. The audience kind of expects that too. I, you, you do a very good job, Rudy, of getting shows out pretty regularly, so kudos to you for that.
0: <laughs> Thanks, yeah. Well, yeah, no, it's uh, it, it's great that, like, I was talking, uh, I'm, I think you heard my episode with Disco from the Trail Show, and, and you know, we we're kind of talking about that. And but it's just fun to have more people in the genre because, because I love hiking back uh, and backpacking podcasts, and and so. You were one of the originals in my mind. I know uh, I subscribed to you immediately when I first got into podcasting, like listening to podcasts.
1: A rising tide floats all boats. <laughs> and podcasting is definitely a rising tide. I will say that I have listened to a lot of the other podcasts, and there's a lot of interesting perspectives out there. I, I definitely learn a lot from listening to some of the other shows. And Um, I notice you have children like I do, you know, when they're, um, watching their movies on a long road trip, uh, that, you know, that's a great time to pop a podcast in. And, um, it's amazing how fast a five hour drive can go by, you know, (laughs) no kidding. Oh man. So how about you? How did you, uh, Rudy, I don't know if you've ever told your listeners, how did you get into podcasting?
0: Well, I, you know, I, I kind of tell, well, I've never actually told the, uh, there is a podcast out there that people could probably find still. And, um, I'm part of a, a Facebook group called Skagit Breaking, and uh, it's it's uh, Skagit County up here in Washington. And we, uh, I, I started getting involved with them. Uh, it's kind of like a news site, but it's just uh, there. There was originally just three or four of us, and uh, the guy that started it and his friend they wanted to start a podcast. It was kind of like a, a kind of like a news show or whatever, and, but it was more called the instead of the Skagit Breaking, it was a Bra- Breaking Skagit. So they called it the BS Show. And, uh, so it was kind of fun, but, uh, they were pretty, uh, they're pretty low budget or whatnot, but it, man, it was so fun to get on and just talk. And so I, I, that was what really, I was like, I need to find something. And I was like it, the whole time, I'm sure if I would have ever told anybody I wanted to do a podcast, they probably would have slapped me on the top of the head and said, well, why don't you do a hiking podcast? But, uh, I, I just hadn't thought about it until I started listening to some of yours, uh, you know, uh, into backpacking, um, the trail show. Trailside radio for first 40 miles these these shows were out there and, and i was just like man i could do this and and add to what what you guys were already doing that i found that i really liked and so what i didn't see was uh like a local thing for washington kind of the pacific northwest where people were Kind of telling their stories, and so that's really what I wanted, and it's it's expanded since then. Obviously, here I am talking to you. Uh, so you know, you're not from Washington, and so the name Cascade Hiker Podcast is kind of just uh, where it all began. But uh, I've, I've definitely br- branched out since then.
1: Well, you and I talked about uh, you know you obviously hike a lot in the Northwest because you live there. I hike a lot in the Southeast because I live here. And how fun it would be to uh, compare and contrast the climates, the different types of hikes you do, the animals. Uh, So I guess we're going to try to do that in the future, right? Absolutely, yeah. I I think that would be fun for both our listeners, because your climate is so entirely different than ours, and um, you know, the United States is such a vast area. We're so lucky to live in it and have an opportunity to to explore such a huge uh, piece of country, you know?
0: Well, of course... I love your area, by the way. I know. I was going to say you got the edge over me because you've been up there, man. I was I was checking out your site, and of course, I already knew because you talked about it in a lot of your podcasts, but um, what is it, only like two or three states that you haven't hiked in?
1: You know, I officially finished my 50th state this summer.
0: Oh, man. So, yeah, and you got to update your site.
1: Yeah, yeah, I do need <laughs> to update it, actually. Uh, we, we went to the Dakotas, and if you haven't been there, and I, I don't know if you have any preconceived... Notions on what North and South Dakota would be like, but I mean, phenomenal. I mean, absolutely blew, blew me away. It completely exceeded my expectations. So uh, highly recommend both those states if you ever get a chance to explore them. We specifically went to the Badlands of North Dakota in Theodore Roosevelt National Park. And then we popped down to um, the Badlands of South Dakota and also the um, Black Hills of South Dakota, which were outstanding. Um, really, really, really fun, fun hiking if you get a chance.
0: Yeah. Well, well, I'm kind of wondering about all the other states. I mean, I've, I've actually never talked to anybody that has been able to brag about that. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty cool thing.
1: Yeah. You know, and I'm actually just getting ready to release another podcast here this week. Um, I I'd read an article about a guy who was trying to get in shape for the year and he wanted to do 52 hikes over 52 weeks. So he was going to do a hike every week. Um, but, but I had set out to try to hit all 50 states before I hit 50, and that that was sort of my goal, which is, obviously, it takes some time to do that. But I will say that there wasn't a single state that ever disappointed me. Mississippi, Louisiana, they all have something to offer, you know.
0: Well, now, a lot of these states you kind of clipped off because uh, I was also reading because you've hiked most of the Appalachian Trail, or did you hike the whole trail?
1: I did 94. I, um, I set out to through hike the whole trail. I did 2000 miles in 1994. So I hiked, um, almost all of it. I went back in 96 and finished a couple sections I missed for various reasons. So technically I'm a section hiker of the AT. Um, and then, you know, interestingly, and as you talk to more and more people, of course, uh, when you do these trails, there's, a, um, a tendency for some people to blue blaze on occasions. There's a lot of different opinions about that, but um, at the time, the blue blazing didn't really bother me, and I, I didn't blue blaze a lot, but I did some. And over time, it did bother me, and so I ended up going back and hitting the sections where I had blue blazed for one way, one reason or another. So, uh, but yes, I have completed the entire Appalachian Trail. Yeah, but te- technically, as a section hiker, not a through hiker.
0: Well, especially with all those blue blazes. So you're talking about uh, skipping sections? They call that blue blazing. Well, that would be yellow blazing, where okay. you
1: actually skip a section. Blue blazing would be more where you maybe take a uh, a route that's not the designated route for oh, one right. reason. or another. Yeah, um, which there's various reasons that could happen. Sometimes it's it's just more convenient to take a blue blaze into a shelter and a blue blaze out rather than go back the way you came to it. Right. So um, anyway, not uncommon at all. And at the end of the day, you know you, you're the one that has to live with your hike. So. You've got to do what's right for you. But in my mind, whatever gets you out there and whatever uh, allows you to enjoy the experience, you know, that's that's what matters. As long as you don't interfere with other people's good times, you know.
0: Yeah. Well, hey, Bird Shooter, what was the first date?
1: The first date I did?
0: Yeah. Like when you were a kid, well, you know, what, what got you going on this?
1: Well, that's a great question. I was born in Ohio, so um, obviously that was the first date I hiked. Uh, and that was the first state I went backpacking in for for the same reason. Um, but, you know, I'll tell you the turning point for me on backpacking was uh, when I went to New Mexico with the scouts and did the uh, Philmont National Scout Reservation. We did like a, a 12-day trip through the park. I, I guess technically it's not a park. It's more of a reservation. But um, it was phenomenal. It, it definitely, it, it, at a very young age, 16 years old, maybe super passionate about backpacking and I've never looked back since It's the greatest gift I've ever been given was that opportunity to, uh, to, uh, find backpacking really.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And so So how how did you get into it while we're on the topic? Well, I was never in the scouts, which that's a pretty typical uh, answer because it's an awesome organization for people to, you know, branch out and, and figure that out, especially for, you know, kids that, uh, Maybe their parents were in it, or maybe their parents weren't. I mean, my dad never was either, and but he was a big time hiking, backpacking guy, and uh, and yeah, so we just we'd always go out. My grandpa was uh, not his dad, my mom's dad. My mom used to be, and uh, so when I was a kid, she she wasn't hiking, but uh, but her whole family did. I, I I summited my first mountain with both my uncle, my grandpa, and my dad, and so it was just really you know a family thing. So yeah, we were. I haven't really branched out as far as uh, to answer that other question, too, uh, as far as different states, mainly just Oregon and Washington. Uh, I could probably come up with a few others if I stretched, you know, California, obviously, and um, Idaho, we did one. So, you know, I've branched out a little bit, but uh, certainly not the 50. That's an awesome goal. But, um, yeah, so that was what it was. It was my dad and my mom and uh you know, just talking about it all the time. We also grew up in a very small town, right, nestled up in the mountains. So that that made it pretty easy, too.
1: Yeah, it's nice to have wilderness in your backyard. It definitely makes it easier to get out. Absolutely. So a question for you, actually. I notice you have children like I do, and I notice actually you have a podcast for your kids. Um, You obviously do a fair amount of hiking with them. Is that fair to say? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Because what I would add to the discussion we're having is, you know, um, for those that maybe don't have kids yet, it's a it's a real joy to take your kids out into the wilderness and expose them to um, the backcountry and get them away from their electronics and the TV. It's really for me, it's really exciting not just to take my kids, but to take other kids, too. Oh, yeah. And so, um, you know, that's that's, you know, for those that don't have children yet, that's something to look forward to in the uh, in the future for sure.
0: Yeah, I talk to a lot of people, and they always say one of their favorite things is to show people uh, that have never hiked to show them how to hike. And then uh, often, more often than not, I'll ask them, well, how about, you know, do you have kids? Do you ever show them? Because, man, the, the, the cool thing is, is you could take that friend out, and you could show them the hike. You could take that friend out, and you can show them the backpack. But you're never going to hike with anybody as more as a, either a spouse, or which my spouse doesn't hike, but that's a whole other story, or, or, <laughs> or your kids. And, and so not only do I get to show my kids how, how, like the, how cool hiking is, but I also get to see the first time they see a meadow, I get to see the first time they see, uh, different types of lakes and streams and waterfalls and, and, you know, mountains. And so it's a first almost every time we go out.
1: Yeah, agreed. So, Hey, maybe we should talk about that for a second because, um, my, my wife is not a big backpacker. She, she does love to hike and she's um, very, very fit. She runs long distances uh, frequently, it does these long distance runs all the time. But um, her passion for backpacking is not like mine. <laughs> um, so I, I'm just curious, because you kind of brought it up, um, how do you manage around that when um, you obviously want to go out in the wilderness and maybe your wife um, is, you know, has other plans for you?
0: Well, you know, it, it, we have we have that uh, uh, the phone uh, calendar where we share the calendar, and so I, I can go in. I mean, that phone calendar, man, it goes out to like, I don't even know how far out, but I'll, I'll go in, and uh, as soon as the weather starts changing, you know, winter starts coming, and uh, so I'll get in there, and I'll start adding for the next summer. I'll be like, okay, this would be a good time to go, and I'll just block out, you know, three or four or five days, depending. I, I don't get a whole lot of time off work, so. I'll just say, you know, I get that much time, and then, uh, and I'll just put Rudy hike, and she she knows. <laughs> so that's your
1: that's your time. Yep.
0: Take a quick break from uh, the show here to talk about Lux hiking gear. That's L-U-X-E hiking dash gear dot com. You know, you could choose from all over the place, one to two person tents, three to four person tents. Uh, what I wanted to talk about was kind of their uh, back uh, backyard or campsite, uh, you know, car camping or uh, hunting style uh, tents. I've got some bigger ones. I mean, there's uh, four-person, there's all the way up to six-person uh, tents here, but they also have some that are set up for, um, you know, having a stove in them. I mean, and, and, and he actually sells the stoves uh, from the site there, uh, these wood stoves stove Jack, it's called. Anyway, uh, that's a cool thing. I mean, if, if you're an outdoor hiker and you like cottage brand, uh, tents, uh, this isn't something obviously you're going to carry on your back, but man, what a cool thing to offer. Uh, you know, he also has of course, hiking tents and stuff, but, uh, but man, if you're, if you're going camping and you, <laughs> it's going to be like in the winter and stuff, or, or just a cold, I mean, we got some cold days over here, at least in Washington. And, uh, Anyway, you can uh, add a little wood stove to it, which I don't see often uh, as an option. But go over to LUXE-HIKING-GEAR.COM and check them out. Uh, but, the Got same, it. but then it would be the same for you, right? Because if she's not going backpacking with you, then you also have to block that time off too.
1: Yeah, and, and to her credit, I mean, she has done a fair amount of backpacking. I think, you know, it, she prefers maybe now to do more day hikes. But um, our trade is that she gets her, uh, you know, marathon, half marathon runs, which obviously require a lot of training. And uh, I get my multi-day backpacking trips, and uh, everyone's happy. So it's it's a, it's a good match. And fortunately, she does like to hike, and she can hike circles around me. So, um, we actually do a lot of hikes together and we do a lot of hikes with the kids. Um, I, I just, you know, her waking up in the middle of the wilderness sometimes with, with the bathroom, not beer nearby is, uh, not her favorite thing. She'll do it. She has done it, but, um, you know she just, she just prefers the day hikes to be, to be frank.
0: Yeah, And she,
1: she is certainly tough enough to do it. She's tougher than me in many ways. So it's, uh, I think it's just a, uh, Everyone's got their preferences, you know?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, my wife, uh, you know, she didn't grow up. She, she grew up more of a city girl, even though she wasn't in a very big city. And they just, her parents never took her camping. They definitely never went hiking. They just were not an outdoor family at all. And, uh, and yeah, so that's uh, that's where I came in. And then it's like, okay, well, let's go do this. And she's like, uh, she just doesn't understand it. And so <laughs> it's, it's tough. But uh, she does go out more frequently now uh, that the kids are getting older and they're asking her to go. And so we'll, we'll find some hikes that mom can do and,
1: you know, that she won't get too, uh,
0: mad at me for doing or whatever. So, (laughs) but that's, that's kind of where we're at.
1: Well, you know, on the kids topic too, it's, it's amazing. The kids, I mean, you know, as long as you don't work them too hard, uh, I rarely, rarely see a kid not have a great time on the trail. It's almost like a dog, you know, have you ever seen a dog have a bad time on a hike? No. I mean, the kids just go nuts. But, um, there, do you have a favorite place to hike out there that I need to know about, uh, in the Pacific Northwest? Well, um, you know, yeah, I, I mean,
0: I have my favorite spots. I've been trying to, uh, piece the, uh, I, so I haven't been branching out a whole lot more, but I've been piecing together the Pacific Crest Trail in Washington. So I've just got the Southern part of the state. It's like another hundred miles left to go. And so, um, I'm really excited cause the goat rocks are down there. And so that's, uh. That's something I'm actually taking my kids on my, my five-year-old, and my nine-year-old this this summer. So I'm really excited about that. But I, I'm really fond of the Glacier Peak area, um, anything in and around Glacier Peak, because it's one of our volcanoes, but it's it's hidden. You, uh, you really can't see it from anywhere, anywhere where society is. <laughs> you have to really get deep. Even though it's, I think it's our fourth, it's our fourth tallest peak, and it's one of the volcanoes. And and it, but you have to get. Uh, you know you have to climb three thousand feet to at least even see it so it's kind of cool okay
1: yeah, yeah i I'm not, i mean questions are rolling out of my brain right now about asking you about climate and you know but i'm just wondering if we're getting ahead of ourselves if you want to try to do this in another show
0: oh yeah yeah no it doesn't matter uh, you know it's funny because uh I, i've had a couple people try to ask me questions but uh mainly people don't so the questions are great because my uh, my listeners uh, they don't get a lot from me so
1: <laughs> well i mean so i mean maybe we should just do it now so i guess the first question i had for you is the um you know you guys obviously have a very different winter where you are than than we have here so but, are you able to get out during the winter most of the time
0: yeah you know we 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 live on the uh on the seaside i shouldn't say seaside but uh, in the puget sound so we're at sea level basically so i live in uh, arlington washington and uh, right in town by I five, and so we're uh, you know we're basically maybe at 100 foot uh, sea level, and so we don't really ever get snow. We'll have maybe like a week of snow tops uh, for the year uh, as far as where we live. So th- there's a ton of uh, like state parks and um, you know preserves and whatnot where there's there's hiking year round basically. And so, uh, or city parks and, and there's just a lot of that. And so, yeah, there's plenty of places to go without hitting snow, but then there's also the snow if you want it. So you get the best of both worlds, really.
1: Now, do you have a preference? I mean, obviously Cascade Hiker podcast leads me to believe that you do a lot of hiking. Is, is that your preference over backpacking or do you uh, like them equally?
0: I like them equally. I, 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 we own our own business and so I don't get a whole lot of time to go backpacking unless I block it off. So I usually only get about uh, three, sometimes four backpacking trips every year, uh, as far as, and that's only we're talking tops of four or five days, and that's just because of my work schedule. But uh, yeah, I mean we go hiking at least once a week, um, on top of that. So yeah, I mean we're we're out there all the time, uh, but but we I just just recently picked up my first pair of snowshoes. I borrowed in the past, and my kids we went on a a hike where. There was a little bit of snow, and uh, it's one of the more popular trails around here for kind of newer hikers. It's called the ice caves, and you hike in, and, and there's some, some, uh, some ice caves there, and you get to check them out and stuff. And uh, It's a really easy hike, but yeah, we we're walking on top of the snow, and they're like, we want to do this more often. And, and so I said, well, let's get some snowshoes. So we just picked them up, and so we're, we're going to start venturing out, but it's, it hasn't been one of my favorite times of year.
1: Well, you know, what's different for you guys is you you obviously in the Pacific Northwest, you get a lot more um, rain in the lower elevations in the winter and then a lot more snow in the higher elevations. So you've got to be you've got to be prepared for completely different weather conditions than we get here in the southeast. Uh, How do you manage around that when you prepare for a trip?
0: Well, to be honest with you, um, I saw that you had uh, uh, one of your previous uh, episodes. um, You had Jester hikes on. Yes. And, uh, you know, I actually, after listening to him on your show, and then I've, I've heard him on the trail show as well, um, you know, he's got a, 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 a his, his motto is embrace the brutality. And honestly, when you live in Washington, it's all part of it. You know, you, you go out there. I, I actually wear shorts year-round and a T-shirt. And so no matter whether it's raining or not, I'm just going to get wet. I mean, this is all part of it. And so, you know, you just kind of have to get used to it. And <clears throat> some folks are going to want to hike with an umbrella, and you know that's a pretty popular thing, and so so are of course you know rain jackets and stuff, but I'm good with just going until I can't stand anymore, and I know I got a rain jacket if I need it
1: yeah, I mean Rudy honestly in the, in the south the probably the biggest challenges you face here is just the humidity if you you know, the summer can be just brutally hot one One nice thing about where you are is the summer, you've got those beautiful alpine lakes and the cascades and uh, you've got trout fishing and um you know, you got the, the cathedral peaks that surround some of those lakes. I mean, I I am definitely envious of you guys having that in your backyard. Believe me, that is some beautiful country.
0: Uh, it it really is. It's almost like, but, but, you know, talking to other people, I've grown to like your 50 hikes, I've grown to respect that because, you know, like people say like, Hey, you know, don't always go somewhere. I think somebody just said this recently on my podcast, so I'm kicking myself for not remembering, but, uh, you know, go go to other places, but don't uh, I think I think it was Craig Romano guidebook author I had on recently. Uh, but don't think of Washington when you go there. Think of there. You know, don't uh, don't try to compare basically. Right.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I stand by my statement. Every state has something different to offer and it, and every state is is unique and cool in its own way. Right. Oh, absolutely. But um, but, you know, but I mean, back to my point, though, right. You, you know, you do need to prepare differently depending on where you are. And um, you, you can definitely get into some serious snow here in the in the Southeast, particularly in the, maybe the North Carolina, in the, the South Virginia mountains, if, if you're there at the wrong, you know, I shouldn't say wrong time, but if you're there during a very cold time. Um, so you do need to be prepared, but where you are, you can get into some serious snow, right?
0: Oh, absolutely. But, you know, nowadays it's so much different. I mean, I, I noticed that, uh, I think you hiked uh, the AT back in 94, was it 95? Yeah, and, yep. and uh, I, you know, I, I think my first real big backpacking trip was probably in '93, so okay. right, right around that same time. So you can you can imagine what our gear looked like, yeah, you know, the old school, uh, you know, uh, exterior frame pack and and that kind of thing. We were probably carrying sixty pounds or whatever, but we were prepared for any kind of weather except for snow. And the the, the other thing that people tend to forget about as far as gear goes from back then is that we didn't have uh, like Ten day forecasts or whatever. If we did, we certainly weren't paying attention to them. But, but, but what we didn't have was intel. There wasn't that uh, that quick. Oh, I wonder what this trail condition is in. And so we have that now. But uh, back then, boy, we just we just went out and we didn't even think about it. So yeah, you know, we got uh, we were on a five day hike, and I think day four. So we were pretty close to the car. But day four, we we hit some just nasty snow, and we just had to keep trucking, you know, and just go right through it.
1: I mean and I think that's a great point Rudy I mean back in the 90s or even earlier you just didn't have the information like you do today and that applies not just to weather but um, also to just general information about the trail there's so much information that is available on the internet that just didn't exist back in those times and uh, it was it, it was definitely a different game back then no question no question okay. but i I gotta I gotta say I do I do really actually appreciate the the um, the ability for you to do the research on a trail now that you couldn't do before. Um, so I think that's a great thing. And I've actually seen it with the Appalachian Trail through hikers. The failure rate was so much higher back when I went through in the in the uh, early 90s than it is today. And I think it's because the through hikers just have so much more knowledge. Um, they're better prepared. They know what they're getting into. Um, I, I think that, you know, it's it's they don't bring the – crazy things you used to see when I started, like uh, people showing up with full size axes and uh, flares <laughs> and, you know, the flare guns and everything else. I mean, you just don't see that anymore. Right.
0: No, 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 but, not uh, at all.
1: but yeah. yes, it's definitely, it's definitely for the better. Um, uh, there's a, a lot more information out there to make your experience better now and podcasts such as the cascade hiking podcast, <laughs> where yeah. you can be educated
0: well yeah and and of course the Into Backpacking podcast but uh, uh yeah you just kind of remind me of uh of another one of my trips where we were over prepared and and see I guess that's kind of my point is is most people uh especially back the way hiking was before you almost it's better because you, you don't have to carry as much weight cuz you're you're not as over prepared and I, I remember we we hiked with ice Axe. um I was a friend of mine and I and uh and yeah you know we we did a a, a section of the Pacific Crest Trail from Snoqualmie so pass to Stevens pass and and we had our ice axes and we had all of our everything you could think of the kitchen sink and and uh he he wouldn't leave without carrying his gun you know and uh which I told him to leave at home but of course he brought it anyway and uh you know that's a whole nother topic but anyway so we're just weighted down and but the worst part was then getting the hitch right so we we had to get a hitch out of, out when we got to Stevens pass and it was almost impossible. We had these huge packs on with ice axes. We looked like murderers, you know?
1: <laughs> well, you bring up a point about gear, though, too. See, crampons and uh, ice axes, I mean, you know, you probably would not really need those in the southeast unless, you know, unless we had a really bad snowstorm and you were up probably five, 6,000 feet. So, you know, that's just sort of the kind of gear that we don't really get. We don't have to use that much around here. So, I mean, it is a different game where you are, no question.
0: Oh, absolutely um,
1: Hey, let's talk about animals for a minute, though. I mean, you, parts of Washington are grizzly bear country, right?
0: Uh, yeah. the The uh, very northeast part of Washington can can have grizzlies, but uh, you know, I rarely get over to that side. Um, okay. Yeah, but uh, people say uh, that they've seen them or whatever, but uh, I don't know. There's speculation on that as far as the, the Cascades having bears or not, or black uh, grizzlies or not, but. I mean, you guys don't have anything like that down there, do you? The, but you're, you're close to smoothies. No.
1: Yeah, we, we really don't. We do have, you know, we have a very healthy population of black bear. Um, the uh, the weather in the south has been, you know, fairly warm the last 20, 30 years. So there's been a lot of food for the bears to eat. They've multiplied pretty easily. Um, so there, there is a very healthy population of black bears, and you definitely need to be cautious, you know, on how you store your food and things. They're having a lot of trouble on the um, – Georgia and in parts of the North Carolina section of the Appalachian Trail with black bears that are, you know, just essentially you know, easy access to food and um, starting to lose their fear. But um, other than that, yeah, there's not too much to worry about. I mean, you guys have some snakes, right? I'm sure you have rattlesnakes and copperheads and that sort of thing. I mean, that, that does that's not the kind of critter that scares me too much, but you do need to be sort of cautious there.
0: Well, it's not something I – yeah, I've never seen anything like that on the hike uh, myself. Uh, we're Our state's split, you know, by the Cascades. And so I do most of my hiking on the west side. And so, you know, late summer, mid mid to late summer on the east side is when you have to worry about that. But, you know, we hardly ever get down over that way.
1: You, you guys actually have some – you know, like elk, they just reintroduced to um, the Smokies, which is really, really cool. I think that if, if you ever get a chance, you're going through the Smokies now – Sometimes you hit the Cataloochee or the uh, a kind of lufty area and there'll be 40 or 50 elk wandering through the valley, which is really exciting for someone who lives in the south because you don't see them all the time. When were but they you know, you hit, re- reintroduced? Uh, it's been in the last 10 years, I guess. Maybe that's probably about right. Um, but I mean, you know, out west, you guys probably take that for granted because you get it all the time. Yeah, but that's yeah. you know, that's not something we've historically had here. They did try to reintroduce the uh, red wolf in the smokies but it unfortunately didn't take um oh. so i think they trapped the remaining red wolves which i think were down to under 10 in population and then and pulled them out but um you know so we don't have wolves like you guys probably have roman out there but um you guys definitely have a, a lot more interesting animals uh cruising the highland that we do. Because well, you also have mountain goats, right? bighorn sheep. And uh, if, if I were some of the cascade areas I would expect would have that.
0: All right, we definitely have mountain goats in, in my neck of the woods. And uh, the wolves and the bighorn sheep, I uh, believe, are also in that uh, northeastern part of the state. Uh, but ba- basically, the northeastern part of the state has a lot of um, animals coming down from Canada. And then they also have, they're not too far away, I think, like 150 miles it stretches over from idaho to glacier national park so um you know some of the some of the animals are coming from there as well but uh yeah so so they're getting a lot more diverse animals up in that very northeastern tip that's close to idaho and canada so
1: yeah that's what i love about where you guys are and and the rockies would have you know i guess that as well but the other thing I, i love about the west is how you can hike into those alpine lakes, man, that is really cool. Because in the south, we're kind of, you know, we're kind of limited to maybe hiking into uh, a really cool river. Like the Chattooga is phenomenal. Anybody that ever comes to the Georgia area um, or even the the western side of South Carolina, the Chattooga River is really, really a cool, cool place to explore. There's a Chattooga River Trail that runs, uh, it's probably, I don't know, I'm just guessing here, but maybe about 70 miles. Um, but you know, you you guys definitely uh, I love spending time in the Pacific Northwest. I guess that's the takeaways, David, yeah.
0: here. <laughs> well, the Chituga River sounds cool too, and I know that you had an episode strictly about that, didn't you?
1: Yes, I did actually. I mean, when I have hiked the whole Chituga River, and um, you don't need a permit. You can um, you, you can basically just get on, hike north or south. There's uh, you know primitive backcountry campsites that aren't even really designated, aren't even really marked on a map, but there's plenty of them on the trail. There's really good fishing on the river, especially as you get further south and the river gets wider. Um, now, when you're further south, you'll start to see, you know, kayakers and boaters. And by boaters, I mean uh, canoe or kayak. You're not allowed to have a motorboat. When you get to the very top of the Chattooga River, kind of where it hits North Carolina, South Carolina, and Georgia, um, that area is is there's no there's no boating allowed. So you'll Mainly run into fishermen, and it's a much smaller stream up there, but uh, it's really, really cool. But that I mean, there's a lot of cool rivers in the south. It, but that's the difference, I think, where we are with where you are, is you've got these amazing cathedral peaks with a little lake in the middle, right? And we've got these, you know, fairly interesting, cool streams and rivers that you can run by and camp and fish and swim, and you know, there's rope swings and you know, just a very different very different, uh, backpacking experience. Although I will say the Smokies, um, the Smokies do take it up a notch. They're, they're very, very cool. Although I would recommend going in the winter over the summer
0: because oh, really? there's a
1: lot less people. Yeah.
0: Oh, that makes sense. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But it can be very crowded in the winter actually. Huh. So, or excuse me, it could be very crowded in the summer, which is why you'd want to go in the winter.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of yeah.
1: sense.
0: I've heard, I've heard that about it too, that it gets pretty packed.
1: Yes, especially on the Appalachian Trail which runs the ridge and it's very very pretty but um you know, especially through hiker season you've got a lot of people going through there. So, but I I love the Smokies if, if anybody's listening to this and uh are looking for a cool place to go in the south, that's certainly one of them.
0: Yeah, um when you know to kind of jump back a little bit, so you're talking about all the rivers and, and uh you know, we have that too. Uh we have we have quite a few cool rivers but uh, I mean, I would love to go check out those rivers because one thing about the lakes is that you can't have 70 miles where the lake, uh, you know, so you're saying you had the 70 mile trail up the Chattahoochee, and that's right. Chattahoochee.
1: Chituga, yeah. yeah, it's got it's got to be an Indian name. So <laughs> I I don't expect you to pronounce it
0: perfectly. <laughs> well, we don't have that, you know. I mean, we yeah, we probably have some river hikes that that are pretty long. I know the Olympics has has a pretty well known river hike, but uh, you know these lakes, you know, you're hiking to them. There's most of the time there's not a whole lot of view. You're just in the woods, and then you pop out this lake, and yeah, the view is amazing. Uh, they call them the the cirque lakes and so you know the glaciers would come down and kind of sit amongst that rock and just kind of carve out this little lake and then the, the glacier would kind of fall apart uh, or, or or travel back down the mountain from there and that's that's where all these lakes come but but because of that all the lakes <laughs> and, 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 you know i'm spoiled right but they all start looking the same so it's like oh, i'm gonna go check out you know up the, our mountain loop highway is where i grew up by granite falls and we have one of the most popular lakes in the state called Lake 22 and every lake looks like Lake 22 to me. So I, you know, I guess I'm spoiled, but.
1: Uh, <laughs> oh, Rudy, you're taunting me here. I'd I <laughs> die to hike to one of your lakes. You know, you know what else you have that we haven't even talked about? And this is true for Georgia too. And our coasts are entirely different, but uh, I've actually hiked some, have you, have you hiked much of the Olympic coast um, Olympic national park there?
0: You know, I'm going to take my daughters out. Uh, I've, I've only hiked a little bit, but I'm going to take my daughters out on a, on a trip. And I was looking at your loop trip that you were talking about. And oh, I like, yeah. yeah. I might that's do a that.
1: So. Yeah. That's a great one, actually. I, I love your coast. I think your coast is beautiful. Um, I think it is so cool. It's so completely different than anything we have here, too. Um, but I will say, if you ever are in the south, and I don't know if I wouldn't recommend doing this probably in the middle of the summer because it'd be insanely hot. And the bugs would probably drive you crazy. But um, there's a a coastal hike you can do at Cumberland Island in Georgia, which is a national seashore. Wild horses running around, armadillo everywhere, which I didn't realize that armadillo had made it this far east, (laughs) and they apparently have. Um, Really, really cool. You have to take a ferry to get out there. Bunch of backcountry campsites. Um, Really, really neat place. Um, The North Carolina coast actually has some really cool coastal hiking, too. Um, which is very different than your coast, right? I mean, the waters, um, it, it's obviously a lot warmer because, you know, it's in the south
0: oh, and you don't have true. those
1: Pacific, Pacific currents, right? But um, really, really super cool. So, you know, you and I have predominantly been talking mountains, but um, some of the coastal hikes in both our states are really, really interesting.
0: Hey, let's talk colors. And I'm talking Waymark Gear Company. That's waymarkgearco.com. Uh, you know, I'm just kind of going through a little bit. Like if you wanted to pick something off the website, go over there and check this out while we're talking or, or a little bit later, you know, check these uh, backpacks out and see all the different options that you can do. Um, like here, I clicked in on the website. I've got the through, uh, large XL, uh, 42 liter, no hip belt starting from 195 bucks. And here's all the colors you can choose for the actual pack itself. You got teal, purple, blue, yellow, white, navy blue, orange, slate gray. (laughs) That sounds cool. Red. Anyway, those are just the pack. And then you're going to go through once you're done and you can pick all kinds of other colors for the different pockets and little areas um, throughout the pack. You can also pick the um, strap sizes. And I mean, you know, there's just so many things you can pick from on this pack that it's going to be your pack. And there's no question that my daughter's is her pack. I mean, she picked every uh, every go to go to my. Uh, in fact, I'll put it on on some of these show notes so you guys can see it right away and see how many pick, uh, different colors she picked. Go over to waymarkgearco.com. Well, I don't know how that that uh, how it is in your your neck of the woods, but uh, like with our coastal hikes, um, we get a ton of fog. I mean, all the time in in the and that's really where the rain starts because our coast has the olympics right there and so that's like where the first rain comes to washington is is it gets hit by you know the clouds all stop at the olympic uh mountains and then the the coast just gets dumped on and then they'll go and they'll get stuck again at the cascades uh but yeah so so how is it over there
1: um you, you mean in terms of the precipitation or- and, and fog
0: it? yeah
1: oh fog um i mean we definitely have our moments where you know we get fog um I, you know I, honestly georgia gets a lot of sunshine same with probably i don't know if about western north carolina as much yet yeah, pretty much we get a lot more sunshine i think than you guys do there although i've actually heard that um we get more rain than you get in seattle in the seattle area oh yeah. and i think i think it's because when we get the rain it comes down in in really really strong thunderstorms so we get a ton of rain at one time and then it'll clear out but you know you guys kind of get it slower and more you know drizzled right you don't you don't get the downpours that we get here
0: yeah we can we can but yeah it's mainly just yeah drizzly
1: but then you go to the other side of your state on the eastern side and then it's you know, they don't get the rain nearly like you guys do where you are right
0: yeah not at all that's why hiking could be fun when you like the pacific crest trail really runs the crest of the Cascades and so when you're hiking that you can actually tell the east from the west just by sitting on, you know, these bridges and it's pretty cool. And, and yeah, anything off to the east is, is going to be just always nice weather. I mean, you know, a lot of times when you're jumping, you, you're a little worried about the weather. You can always go to the east and and find a, find a good trail.
1: Yeah. And you know, you and I are predominantly talking about the Northwestern United States versus the Southeast, which the climates are so, so different, but honestly, I mean, there's so much, phenomenal, um, phenomenal terrain to hike in the United States is ridiculous. And then you add Canada to it. I mean, Canada's got some insane hiking. So we, we are so blessed to live where we live and, um, to be able to just jump in a car and an RV and just take off and, you know, with really no need for a a visa or a passport, just explore. I mean, you could explore for years, right?
0: (laughs) Oh yeah. Well, it's awesome. Where have you been, uh, because I noticed, I didn't check any of them out, but uh, on your website where it says hikes by state, it also says international. I didn't look that up, but how many international hikes have you done?
1: You know, I haven't done a ton. Um, I mean, because honestly, one thing, one of the dilemmas, I think, if you're an American is that you don't get the vacation that some of the European countries get, you know? Oh, right. I mean, you know, you know they're, they're lucky or fortunate that they get Four weeks of vacation. And, you know, a lot of Americans were probably getting two, maybe three at the most. Uh, but, but I have made it to Norway. I've made it to Greece. Um, I made it to the UK and done some hiking in those places. Uh, not nearly as much as I want. I mean, you and I could talk for a long time about all the international places I'd like to go. <laughs> um, well, what's on because, your list? What,
0: what like, uh,
1: where? Um, I'd love to do the Kung sledding. I don't know if you heard that podcast, but, um, I think, I think we recorded it about a year ago. That, that looks so interesting to me. It's up in, um, it's up in Sweden. I guess it's the very top of Sweden. If I'm remembering this correctly, um, where else I I would love to do the, uh, what's the trail? That was
0: was episode 38 with Theo and B.
1: Oh yeah. Good man. Way to go. Thank you for getting me, uh, getting me the show notes (laughs) there. Um, there's some New Zealand and Aust- Australian hikes I would love to do. Um, I mean, we could go on and on. Yeah, yeah.
0: I-, I wouldn't mind doing some South America stuff, too. I mean, you, you just had the uh, well, the Machu Picchu one, too, right?
1: Yeah, I had two buddies, and honestly, they didn't have a ton of backpacking experience. In fact, they had, like, little to none.
0: That was a good episode. I really liked it. Uh, yeah, it-, it. sometimes that's fun to talk to people like that, though, because, man, if they could do it, then, <laughs> you know. Anybody can, right?
1: Well, you know, and here's the other thing. And and again, I'm getting ready to release a podcast when we talked about this. But um, in this last year, there was a guy that was 82 years old that set the um, record for the oldest person to hike the Appalachian Trail. Oh, yeah. And then at the same time, Buddy Backpacker, who I'm sure you've heard of, uh, he just completed the Continental Divide Trail, I think it was. So he's now a triple crowner. So he's hiked 10,000 miles and he's nine years old. (laughs) <laughs> right, so if a nine-year-old and an eighty-two-year-old can do these things, I mean, anybody can, right? Absolutely. I mean, you, you just need to get in shape and put your mind to it, and obviously save a little money. But um, that—that's the beauty that this is all within reach of all of us, you know.
0: Oh, I think so. Yeah. Well, uh, another thing I really liked about your website was uh, your good, bad, and your ugly. Oh yeah. I feel like uh, I feel like though that each one of those. Uh, so you, you've gone through like backpacking trips, and you said like your best overall trip, and you gave like some of these. You're given like a sentence or two sentences, but there's got to be more. And the one, the one I was really looking at was uh, worst overall backpacking trip. And, uh, and uh, do you remember where that was without looking?
1: You know, by the way, yes, I do. I can immediately <laughs> tell you. So first, let me say that I, I probably need to do a little bit of an update on that page. Um, and you know, honestly, into backpacking kind of started. Is, uh, is sort of a way for me to just keep track of my hikes. And it, what happened was we were on a trip, and uh, one of my buddies, the camel, who you probably have heard on the show a few times, yeah. uh, he, you know, we were trying to flash back to one of the trips we just did, and we were having a hard time you know, w- remembering the date and, and some of the details on it, and it was kind of bothering me. So I started sort of really cataloging all the hikes, and that's sort of what happened with N2 Backpacking. It was really intended just to kind of catalog my hikes, And then the podcast kind of came later. But um, the the hike you're talking about specifically was Tuskegee Bald. I mean, I I will never forget it. And, um, you know, you and I were talking about the difference in climates. In the South, it can be just brutally hot in the summer. And um, I, I, you know, I will still hike frequently in the summer here. But, you know, if I'm going to go backpacking in the summer here, I try to get really high where it's at least 6,000 feet, which I know is laughable, Rudy. (laughs) To you and the Cascades, yeah,
0: you you gave me the open door, so I laughed.
1: Yeah, well, and the Olympics are on the other side, right? Yeah, but um, you got to get high in the summer here. You need to be where there's water because it's just so so humid. Um, but anyway, that was one of those trips where it was really really hot, and uh, the trail had um, it, it had essentially disintegrated. It hadn't had trail maintenance for some time. Which, by the way, if there's any people listening to the show that are trail maintainers, God bless you all. Because the work that you people do, and that I need to probably, I definitely need to be doing more of, um, I can't thank you enough for, you know. But um, but anyway, this trail had, had probably just been abandoned, and we were looking at an old map, and we were trying to get to this bald. And it was just, it was. <laughs> thank God I had a good friend of mine from high school that had an amazing attitude about the whole thing. Which, by the way, attitude is everything in the backcountry, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, if you don't have a good attitude, uh, things can get tough for you, you know?
0: Yeah, that's that, that's kind of where you cross the line, too, with the kids. Because, I mean, a lot of people give up taking their kids hiking because of their attitude. But you got to work through that, and they'll, they'll come around.
1: Yeah, that's definitely part of it. And, you know, for anybody that's listening to this, it's going to do a long-distance hike, or certainly those that have done one can appreciate this. I mean, you know it is about your attitude it's about your mental just ability to roll with things because you know your body is probably going to adjust it's probably physically going to be able to take it but you know the mind the mind is a powerful thing you have got to uh sometimes you just got to roll with the punches you know <laughs> anyway but that was like so i was with a, a good friend and we got to the top we made the best of a very hard hike very hot hike and um Without a doubt, to this day, probably my worst backpacking experience. How about you, though, Rudy? Let's hear your. Oh let's man. Hear it. I uh,
0: I don't know. Um, it would probably be the one I was talking about where we had to hitch out of uh, Stevens Pass, and um, I'm sure there's other ones that I'm forgetting because I wasn't really thinking about it. But yeah, we uh, <laughs> we. Well, water filtering had really just become a thing. I I think it was, well, I guess we're in the, I kind of went like about from 95. I I graduated from high school in 95. And so then I, I took about, I don't know, maybe four or five years off of hiking. So this would have been probably about 2000. And so my hiking gear never was updated. I just grabbed all my old stuff and get going. Well, my buddy who I told you had to bring his gun and everything, He's the one that wanted us to have ice axes and all this other stuff. And uh, he also got this new uh, water filter pump thing. And I'd never filtered my water before. And so I was like, well, okay, and, you know, we'll do that. And and he talked to me about why we needed to do it, and this is very important. And I said, okay, well, I've never been sick out there, but let's go anyway. So And so the very first stream we come to, the water filter breaks. <laughs> and so – we had already had our mindset that we we're going to filter our water. And so, uh, we were going and just trying to boil our water and it was horrible because we never could get ahead of it. So we were always trying to drink warm water and it was hot and we were thirsty and I had overpacked on my food, but I didn't have like anything, you know, you, you bring all the dry food. Well, I had these, I had these little peaches, you know, that uh, that come in the juice or that you just take the lid off, uh, the plastic lid off and it's the plastic cup. And I love uh, that juice. Love oh, that man. juice man. We, we ate all of those and, and this is only the second day and we, we still had another 50 miles to go or whatever. And we were only doing about 12 miles a day. So, um, at, at that time, but yeah, so it was just miserable. When, uh, the, the night before we were about ready to be done, um, we just got dumped on and the tent that i had was one that i had just bought and it was it (laughs) it was not a good tent i didn't have any clue what to buy and uh, back then and and we got just completely soaked and so we had to walk out and like i said nobody would pick us up so we're walking down uh, what's highway two over here in washington and um nobody's picking us up it's starting to get dark and we would already put probably including road miles we're talking maybe 30 32 miles and we finally just dumped our packs off the side of the road and, and uh feed dub van picked us up of course yeah <laughs> so we we got home we we got back and got our packs and stuff but that was just
1: miserable you know but the trail the trail delivers sometimes when you need it most you can't <laughs> count on it you can't you can't like bet the farm on it but a lot of times it does you know
0: <laughs> yeah those backcountry trips man sometimes they can go awry and it's just uh it's all part of it
1: so so rudy i propose and i don't mean to hijack your podcast here i propose that we um wrap with three final questions and i've got some i've got three good questions for you and then you can turn them around back on me absolutely does that work yeah well i'm curious to ask you your um favorite piece of hiking gear
0: well uh that's changed over the years uh yeah <laughs> I've talked about it a little bit in in the past. My favorite hiking gear uh, when I was younger was we uh, we had the, the 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 exterior frame backpacks, and and I don't know if you recall, but they had that big wide opening at the top. Oh yeah. And uh, and so we, my dad was a baker, and he would bring home these square white buckets, kind of almost like a laundry detergent bucket, if you can imagine. Okay. And, and uh, but these are, are, would have, you know, food in them. So they were sealed tight and we would bring one of those buckets hiking and that would be our food container. Um, but the, the best part was, was it was back before they made hiking chairs. And so it'd be our chair at the, at the campsite. So anyway, uh, it's kind of funny. We actually used it, to, uh, to carry water up to a place where there was no water source one time too.
1: But, multi-use,
0: <laughs> yeah, the bucket. But no, I don't. I don't carry the bucket anymore. But um, gosh, I, I don't really carry a lot. You know, I I really tried to to downsize my pack. And but the one item, oh, I know. I, I think I've mentioned on the show before. Uh, you know, people say not to take cotton, and uh, and so I have a, a Ziploc bag that I keep. I don't bring any. I, I don't know how how you pack, but I don't bring any kind of change of clothes. I just what I whatever I'm wearing, how many, how many days I'm out there, is just what I wear. Uh, but I do have a pair of cotton underwear that I bring for okay. for my sleeping bag, and so I, you know, I, I'll bring some wipes. I'll wipe every every private part down, whatever it may be, and then uh, I've got my white cotton
1: underwear.s I like I like my wipes. So I got to be honest with you. I don't I don't pack a lot of you know to be brutally honest with you. I didn't actually ever buy shorts or long pants that had underwear for a long time i used to always get the ones that had the mesh sort of swimsuit lining
0: oh okay yeah
1: but they kind of quit make, making them and uh it was kind of a weird transition for me because i was very used to having the mesh lining uh which i really liked actually because then you didn't have to mess with underwear but it's kind of hard to find these days you know
0: yeah so during the day i don't wear those that's just for nighttime but yeah oh, for sleeping i got yeah. you so I guess that would be my 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 one favorite item. But what's yours?
1: Um, and just to finish that topic quickly, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, when I threw hiked, I actually carried a cotton T shirt to sleep in for the same reason you just said.
0: Ah, okay,
1: yeah, for the comfort. I never hiked in it, but good point. Um, you know, honestly, and we've talked about this on some of my podcasts, but um, one of my to this day, the, the 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 gear that really changed my experience out there was the Thermarest. God bless the people at Thermarest. Um, and, and there's a lot of variations of the Thermarest now. There's a lot of different companies making them. But the inflatable sleeping pad, and especially the way they've gotten so lightweight um, oh, my God. That, that is one of the greatest inventions to happen since the 80s, right? <laughs> yeah. um, I would also say, though, about the Thermarest um, when they came up with the chair kit idea where you could oh, actually
0: yeah.
1: oh, that was brilliant. I mean, that just took a Thermarest that was already at the top of my gear list and made it better. <laughs> but, but now you've got the kind of fold out chairs that are super lightweight. And, um, you know, I mean, the Thermarest in the sleeping pad is still super high on my list. But um, now that they've come out with the fold out chairs and everything. It, it was a little bit of a game changer. The Thermarest doesn't hold the status that it once did, I guess. Maybe is what I'm saying. So
0: I hiked with a guy one time uh, from a hiking group. And actually, I guess we didn't hike together. It was at a meetup and he brought his new invention and he had the hike, uh, like a, a lightweight hiking staff. So it was like a, like the, the trekking poles. Uh, Okay. But it was just a big staff. And, um, and then he had one of those chairs affixed to it. And so he, he was like, he didn't have to put the chair in his pack, so it was just it was uh it was I don't I forget maybe zip tie it onto his pole or whatever, but uh, it was kind of creative. I, it looked awkward to me, but uh, he loved it.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, everybody's got their opinion on that, and you know, um, I, yeah, whatever works for you and makes you comfortable is is good with me, you know.
0: Oh, that's yeah, that's the only way you can go.
1: Absolutely. So, are you ready for question number two?
0: Yes, bring it on
1: your most memorable backpacking or hiking experience? Hmm. Well,
0: I'd have to say this last summer, um, comes to mind. I'm going to give you two, because I, I don't want to cheat and just say, give you my most recent one. But, uh, uh I finally, I, I, the summer before I took my, well, I guess she was seven at the time out for her first backpacking trip. And, uh, this last summer, my daughter was, my other, my second daughter was turning. She was four, and so uh, both I brought both daughters out on their first or one of their first backpacking trips, and and that was just so cool for me as a dad to, you know, get both of them out on the trail for the first time together, and and just we, we went on some goofy trail. It wasn't even a real backpacking trip, though the four year old didn't know it. We were only about a mile away from the car. But we had hiked around this lake, and you know we put in about a six mile day of hiking, and then we then we camped at this spot, and (laughs) we were just right by the car. But man, what a what a cool experience! Yeah, the other experience would have been um, was was right there by Glacier Peak, and that was uh, with my dad, who no longer hikes, and. We, uh, we, you know, we base camped and, and, and I don't do that anymore. And I might pick it back up, uh, as I'm telling you, it was one of my favorite trips. I should, uh, but yeah, we, we base camped at uh, white pass uh, up by glacier peak. And we, we just completely explored one area and it was so memorable. All the little twists and turns of all the trails we took and, and there was a forest fire that popped up right, right by us and there was a trail that went almost right over to it. And these, we, we went, we walked over to the forest fire and we just watched these trees exploding, you know, just, uh, from the ground up and the, you know, the, the they just, I don't know if you've ever seen a forest fire up close, but, uh, <laughs> it's almost like the trees just, just explode. And it was so cool to watch. It was, you know, uh, mother nature. So what are you going to do? Right. But, uh, uh, so we walked back and then we got passed by all these uh, firefighters that were running the trail and mm. uh, it was just a cool experience, but but that wasn't why. But it was just more or less just, just finding that one area and just completely exploring the whole thing. So,
1: Yeah, we, we actually, I mean, we don't normally get the forest fires. You guys get out west and maybe even in the Rockies. But um, th- this, I guess, was last year. God, we had an insane fire season for some reason. Um, the, the, actually, the Smokies, where I was talking about before, they're still recovering from that. But, uh, hmm. Um, My most memorable, I will give you, is uh, when I was in Denali and we had a bear, and I'm not kidding you, it probably followed us for five hours. Whoa. uh, Yeah, like we were in a valley following the Toklat River, trying to get back to the main road where the bus, um, they have a a system of buses that drop backpackers off and pick you up. And we had a a grizzly bear follow us for five hours. And it was, uh, at first, honestly, it wasn't that scary because it was pretty far away. It was, you know, we could see it way in the distance. It didn't seem to be threatening. It just seemed to be kind of moving along. But as, as time went on, it kept getting closer and closer. And then we got nervous. Um, there was no point where it ever was really threatening us, but you know, it was very uncomfortable as you can imagine. So, um, and then we finally got to the road probably about eight o'clock at night. One of the last buses was coming through. Um, you know, of course, it's light there pretty late in the, uh, summer months because they are so far north but uh the bear followed us all the way up onto the road um the people in the bus were so fascinated they were all taking pictures nobody was letting us in the bus so we're literally standing outside the bus with this bear because everybody's taking pictures nobody's opening <laughs> the door oh, no. and um it, it never threatened us it never it never really made me fear for my life but it was very uncomfortable as you can imagine so without a doubt that is my most memorable moment. And I was, we were starving. We'd been out there for five days. We'd gone through all our food. We didn't have much food left. And so we could not wait to get to town and have a feast, you know?
0: Oh, that's cool. uh,
1: Yeah. Yeah. That was definitely memorable.
0: Yeah. That's crazy.
1: All right. So number three, Rudy, are you ready? Yep. The funniest thing that ever happened to you in the backcountry.
0: Ah, man. I You know, I've asked this question a few times, and I don't know that I've ever thought about it for myself. All right, so my dad and I were hiking from the east to the west, so we kind of talked about how the Cascades are split, and uh, from the east side to the west side, it splits the state, and so we started on the east side, and we, we came up uh, Spider Meadows, up over Spider Gap, which I think is uh, 6,900 feet, so um, come down into these lyman lakes are called the glacier fed lake there's a glacier right on top of this lake it's so cool and uh so we're craning our necks looking at the lake and my dad falls and he fell a lot but uh he broke his tooth and he fell but we were we had gotten dropped off on the one side and we're a good two days from our car and so uh, immediate fear his pain was just immense you know and, and we're just thinking oh no like what are we going to do well the whole dang tooth came out like root and everything i don't know how oh. it happened but uh so so he didn't have any pain he's like well it hurt a, a little bit but then uh, but then he didn't have any pain so uh, to me it was it's i guess it's just kind of funny looking back because it's like man that could have gone really bad you know if he would have broke it like chipped it real bad. You know, that kind of pain. And uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. So because it came all the way out, he didn't have any pain at all. So we, we really got lucky.
1: Wow. Yeah. So that's that's definitely,
0: I don't know. I, I guess I don't really have any funny stories, but my, my daughters, we started piecing together the Pacific Northwest trail this last uh, year. Uh, I started really getting into the Pacific Northwest trail. And, and it's funny because when I was looking at your hikes in this area, Um, you've kind of hit both sides of it and kind of right in the middle and everything. Um, it starts at Glacier National Park and it goes out to, uh, Cape Alava out on, on Olympic national, uh, on our coast. And so it's a 1200 mile trail. And and so I thought, well, I'm going to start, you know, piecing it together. Well, in our neck of the woods, there's a lot of road walking. So, uh, we're hiking a little section there along the road and it goes over, um, over the water on this cool bridge. So I thought, well, the kids, they want to go over this bridge. So we walk over this bridge. And, you know, we go out hiking all the time. The girls know to just squat and poop or squat and pee or whatever it is, right? And, uh, well, there's a big casino there, and there's a Uh. four-lane highway and everything. And my my four-year-old says, I really got to go. And I said, well, then just go. And so now every time we drive by there, we're like, hey, remember when Reggie peed right there? And I just think about when she's, you know, 17, 18 years old and, you know, telling her and she's just going to be like, man, why did you let me pee right there? And, well, we're yeah. hiking, you know?
1: Yeah, I'm sure she'll remember that for years to come. <laughs> yeah, we we actually did a podcast on the uh, the Pacific Northwest Trail. That looks awesome, by the way. It looks really cool. Some of the fire tower shots look oh, phenomenal. Yeah. yep. Um, yeah, yeah. I love your area. I mean, I can't say it enough. I, th- I think the Pacific Northwest is beautiful. Um, so I'll give you i I'll give you potentially one of the funny things that, uh, that I, uh, that I recall. And by the way, I'm working on a book just to try to get oh, all this stuff down.
0: Nice.
1: Yeah. It's probably going to come out as an ebook first, but you know, when I was, when I was doing the Appalachian Trail in 94, um, and I don't, have you ever hiked the uh, Shenandoah National Park, Rudy? No, um, I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with it. If you ever, if you ever get a chance, you know you can pretty much drive through the spine of the park, which is really, really pretty. There's a lot of black bear. It's, it's kind of cool if you're ever on the East Coast. But um, we were, we were going through there, and the Appalachian Trail crosses the, uh, the, the main park road frequently, which you know, if you're a through hiker it's phenomenal because you have access to food like all the time. You don't have to carry any food at all, you know, but, um, anyway, we, we are coming out of the woods and we're, we're crossing the road and there's a little pullout place where tourists can kind of pull their car in and get a killer view and get a good picture. And there's this Asian couple that's standing there and, uh, they look like they're having an argument angry at each other. Right. And the woman's got a little, like a, a very small baby in her hand. And, um, I mean like newborn, barely born, you know, and, uh, there's a big thunderstorm coming and, you know, we, we see the storm coming. And so we're getting ready to scramble for our, our rain gear. And, uh, as we get closer, we realize the car is running and that they are locked out of the car, right? Oh no. And so that, that's why they were arguing was cause they were upset about the storms coming and they're locked out of the car. So, um you know, sure enough, you can see, you can hear it coming. You can hear the thunder, you can hear the lightning or see the lightning. And, um, the guy doesn't speak English at all. So we're, we're kind of trying to communicate with them, you know, and, and, uh, you know, one of the hikers that I was a couple that I was with, they, they get a tarp out from their tent and they, they kind of put it over the mom and the baby, you know, so that they don't get rained on cause the rain starts coming. And, and it, when it comes in the South, it comes hard, right? Oh yeah. So, so we've all got our our rain gear on, and we've got the woman and the child under cover, and to some degree the the husband. Um, but you know it's it's you know we're trying to communicate with this guy. Like, all right, well, you definitely have a problem here. We see your keys in the ignition. We see your car running. What what do we do? Right. So we're sort of kind of trying to figure out what to do kind of troubleshoot this thing. And so uh, me and another guy ran to the road. and We sort of flag down a car. And we find somebody that's got a coat hanger. And so the car pulls in. They give us a coat hanger. And uh, we go to work, and we're trying to jimmy the lock. And and uh, we actually get the lock open. I mean, it's pouring down rain, right? <laughs> pouring down rain. You know, we, Fortunately, we've got our rain jackets on. Huh? And the, the baby and the mom are dry under the tarp. But uh, the guy is, like, insanely grateful. Like, super, super, super grateful. And he's, uh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You know? And, um, so then he gets a $10 bill out, you know, the, the, the lady and the baby get in the car. And so, you know, he wants, he's trying to give us $10, you know, (laughs) and we're like, look, man, it's cool. You know, we, we don't need, we, we don't no. you know, we're just doing it to be nice. We don't need your $10. So he's like insistent. You take $10, you take $10, you know, you, you take $10. He won't, he won't take no for an answer. So me and this other guy are looking at each other and, uh, we, we notice there's a, pizza on the on the driver's seat on the passenger seat there's like a pizza sitting there and so we we were like no 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 we we can't take your ten dollars but we'll take that and he's like oh yeah so he gives us his pizza and we we take the pizza i mean we could not have been happier (laughs) and uh and anyway so they got they got in their car they drove off well actually before they drove off there was a park ranger that um was coming down the road and I guess he was off duty. He wasn't actually in a uh, in a park ranger car, but he had his park ranger shirt on, right? And so we thought we were in trouble because you're not supposed to hitchhike in the Shenandoah. So we're like, uh-oh, man, this is not good, you know? And so he pulled in to kind of check out what all the commotion was. And uh, we, we sort of explained to him what happened and he laughed and he's like, hey, man, you guys need a ride into town. And we're like, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> Uh, so we cut a We cut a ride with the park ranger into town and ate the pizza and all was good. So
0: that's awesome.
1: My memorable moment from the trail.
0: Now, I remember, uh, didn't did, stop me if I, if I remember this completely wrong, I remember on your podcast, uh, you told a story that, I, you know, I don't laugh out loud a whole lot, uh, especially when I'm listening to podcasts. But I, I thought that you stopped and looked at the continental divide trail on your, uh, on your trip. And, uh, and something happened. Is, was that, am I remembering that correctly?
1: That's entirely possible. Um, I
0: thought maybe you injured yourself.
1: Yeah. I mean, we definitely hiked the CDT in the glacier area. I've hiked it in a few areas, but I've only done a very small percentage of it. I'm,
0: I'm probably remembering wrong. I, I remember a story where, uh, it was on a podcast and I, I thought it was yours. Cause you, you had those two episodes where you did the road trip and you got out to look at some trail and you got out and you, you. Saw the sign. You walked up the hill to it, and then you like twisted your ankle or did something. But maybe it wasn't
1: you. Uh, I mean, what you said is ringing true. Actually, I definitely tore my ankle up on on the <laughs> CDT there somewhere. Um, that could be. Do you have a Do you have a favorite podcast? By the way.
0: Well, um, you know, I I don't know that I have a favorite one. I, I'd have to look at my phone. That's a good question. I, I love that that question, and I talk about a lot of podcasts on my podcasts. And of course, all podcasts aren't always, um, hiking related, but, uh, you know, anytime, because the podcasts that are hiking, the cool thing, why it's cool that, uh, you know, the ones I mentioned, uh, you know, mine yours, uh, into backpacking. And then, and then you got the trail show, uh, the first 40 miles is good. Um, anytime time those come out because none of them are like right now like i i wish there would be a, a hiking podcast to come out every day you know what i mean and so i listen to a lot of podcasts and so when those come out um it that's that's like my happiest day so but uh honestly my my favorite podcast right now is uh, is one called mixed mental arts okay and it's uh with uh, comedian Brian Callen and then his friend Hunter Mots but they interview some crazy smart dudes, and they they talk about uh, kind of more or less philosophy, I guess.
1: So yeah. we're kind of we're kind of talking about backpacking philosophy, <laughs> right? That's
0: right. Yeah, it's down the same line.
1: Yeah. <laughs> buddy
0: of mine, a buddy of mine just started one up that I started listening to, and I'm not a fisherman, and that's the, that's what's so cool about podcasts is you can start listening to them even if you're not into them. And uh, his podcast is called Yak Tactics.
1: Yak okay. Tactics,
0: and yeah, so they're they're talking about fishing from their kayaks and stuff and it's actually a really good podcast so
1: hey you know that's that's a great point you bring up too rudy is uh i've gotten into kayaking a lot more lately oh, which really? Um, it's a lot more friendly on my back i still get in the back country but i don't have to carry all my stuff yeah so there's a tip for your listeners
0: yeah no ken what about you what are, what are your favorite podcasts
1: uh, you know, I listen to a lot of the trail podcasts. I mean, you know, all you got to do is hit related and you can see the ones that, you know, people are listening to that uh, follow us. Right. Yep. Um, but, um, you know, I, I don't commute and I notice and I don't know if you notice this in your stats, but it seems like a lot of people um, are picking the podcast up Tuesday through Thursday. So I think we get a lot of commuters, people that are driving to work, you know. Yep. Um, so usually when I listen to them, it's on a long road trip. But, um, you know, if I did have a commute, I'd, I'd probably listen to a lot more, to be honest. What about books? Uh, oh, you know what? I'm glad you said that because, um, have you ever read Earl Schaefer's walking with spring? No. Um, you, you know, you know, Earl Schaefer was the first guy that threw hike the Appalachian trail.
0: Yeah. That's why I had to think about it. Cause I, I knew the name, but I, I didn't know he had a book.
1: Yeah, it's a great read. I mean, it's old school. He wrote it a while back, but uh, very, very good book. Um, How about you? You have one you like?
0: Yeah, you know, I'm just, I'm kind of the same way. You know, just a lot of those older books I really like. Uh, There's, I don't know how it is uh, down in your neck of the woods, but we've got a lot of uh, just books about certain areas. So there's one called Three Fingers. Uh, I've had the author on the podcast before, and, and it's talking about that one mountain, that one lookout, and all the history behind it. Uh, there's one called Stahican. That's one of our little uh, towns. It's just buried. Uh, there's no there, there's cars there, but there's no roads there. Uh, uh, roads to it. You have to take a boat only. And, uh, you know, it's, it's about kind of the founding of that town and, and just this family that was down you know, way back there. Kind of like the Grandma Gatewoods, the old book, you know, I mean, yeah. Hey, did, like that. Did, you, hey, did you read that book, by the way? Yeah. Yeah.
1: That was phenomenal. And you know, if you get a chance, you gotta talk to Ben Montgomery. I interviewed him on my podcast. You should talk to him too, though. That is that is such a good book. I mean, that's a really, really interesting story about her. A lot of information I had no idea until I read the book. Yeah, that's the one I read because of because
0: of your podcast. I mean, I, I, was, uh, like, yeah. I was like, Oh, I got wow. I had heard of her, but uh, but then when you had him on, I was like, oh man, I got to read this book. So
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't get a clean recording on that one, which kind of bummed me out. But uh, what a great book! What a great story! What a great writer he is. Yeah, that's cool. But um, well, man, Rudy, this is fun. You know, we we hopefully I'll have a chance to meet you here sometime. For the listeners, Rudy and I have never met. This is the first time we have even talked, right?
0: Yep. Yeah, we found each other on the interwebs.
1: Well, hopefully, we will have a chance to do this again.
0: Right on. I hope so, too, man. It was good talking, Bird Absolutely. All right, that's the show. Thanks so much for tuning in. Don't forget to join the Patreon page. Find me at patreon.com cascadehikerpodcast. Also, hit me up uh, with an email, rudy at cascadehikerpodcast.com. Find me on Facebook. My Facebook page is Cascade Hiker Podcast. Twitter, find me at in underscore Cascade Hiking. And I'm um, Cascade Hiker Podcast on Instagram. Thanks, Whiskey Fever, for letting me use this track here, Tall Grass, off their album, Gonna Wake Up This whole Town. Go find them at reverbnationcom Whiskey Fever. Hey, see you next week. You were sweet like honey on a heartbeat. You were fine like wine in sunshine. I could feel you coming on strong. Could never be wrong, could never be wrong. See her laying down in the tall grass, playing mandolin a white dress so come running when i hear that song it could never be wrong it could never be wrong where you wanna run maybe i'll run too
1: i would leave this world for a beautiful girl if i could just find.